Welcome to Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me. And today we're talking to Jake Hurwitz and Amir Blumenfeld. These are two comedians who got their start on the internet and they've thrived there even while they've had to adapt to some roadblocks they found in traditional media. And we're gonna come back to them in a minute. First, I just wanted to point you guys to a story you may have seen, I wrote it last week. It's about Facebook's plans to launch its own Substack. And the big news here, which I didn't fully process until I just about finished the story, is that this really isn't a Substack. That is, it's not a platform where anybody can publish their own newsletter. Instead, Facebook is essentially hiring a crop of journalists and writers to make newsletters for Facebook. So yeah, they're hiring journalists to make journalism, and that's what a media company does. When Facebook says it's not a media company, we can stop having that debate. We could stop having that debate years ago, but we're past it now, and it kind of is a big deal. We should all just pause and think about Facebook hiring journalists to make journalism. Um, some of us thought we'd always get here, and some of us didn't think we'd get here, but we're here now. And also, this comes as lots of the big platforms, Facebook and Instagram, and TikTok and YouTube and Snapchat, are all spending a lot of time talking about the creator class or the creator economy. And that's not really a new phenomenon, because back in the day, we just called people who were famous on YouTube or even MySpace, we just called them internet stars, and we kind of laughed at them and left it at that. But now this really is a thing. It's a real economy. It's a viable option, maybe, for lots of people to make a living. It's a hard living, but they can do it. And it comes with lots of pluses and minuses. And like a lot of things, it's not necessarily clear that the platforms that enable the creators and profit from them are aligned with the creators themselves. So it's a big story. It's an ongoing story. We're going to cover it a lot, I think, um, on this podcast. Um, Jake and Amir are creators. They were creators before we called them creators. Um, recently, we've also talked to Rob Walker. He's a writer who's making his way in the Substack world. We'll call him a creator. Before that, we had Tinks, definitely a creator, a woman who picked up TikTok like a year ago. And now she's a full-time influencer, star, something. She's famous. She's a big deal. Uh, they're all different stories. They're all different perspectives, different levels of success. So we're going to keep having folks like these folks on. If you want to hear from anybody, you should let us know who we should be talking to. And, and if you have ideas about what we should be asking them, please let me know. Um, and thanks again. Now, here's Jake and Amir. I'm here with Jake Hurwitz and Amber Blumenfeld, better known as Jake and Amir. Hey, guys. Hey, thank you for having us. So I wanted to just check in with you guys because we were talking off mic a minute ago. I talked to you 10 years ago when you were college humor employees trying to sell web video instead of uh, mm -hmm. doing free web comedy clips. Um, and I think you guys are interesting to talk to because you have tried so many things. And I don't think we can neatly say that that the industry has, has tracked you up and down. But um, <laughs> the fact that you guys have tried a bunch of stuff and succeeded at a bunch of stuff and in part, I think, been forced to try different stuff, I think says something about what it's like to make content in the last 10 years on the internet. How's, how about that for a clumsily uh, stretched theme? I, no, I love it. It's, it's accurate. We've succeeded or we've tried everything and we have succeeded at a lot except for the main thing we started out trying to do, which is make television and movies. But everything else that we've been able to make, um, you know, basically by failing at that has been really great. Uh, so no regrets. To be clear, you, you guys have made television and movies, right? You've made a movie, at least one. Didn't you, didn't you sell know. a movie and put it on? Didn't didn't you guys sell a, a full length movie? Or was it only the half hour movie that we talked about? We, yeah, we've like we've put things out like we've made TV pilots, we've made digital movies, mm -hmm. but everything that we've done has been like bootstrapped. We yeah. haven't done that traditional thing of like taking money from a studio, taking money from a network, airing a television show. 
that's not happened. So you guys are old enough that when you started this, the measure of success was, I want to be on TV. I want to make a movie that's in a movie theater. Do you that's think right. that, that the versions of you, college age kids now, that that's still the aspiration? Or are they fully happy to be a TikTok star or a YouTuber? The, I back wonder. then or right now? Or, right or right saying, now. Are we right. happy with where I am no, no, now? No, no, no. If I showed a 25-year-old version. Are you happy? Are you ha let's, let's, let's go full Dr. Melfi. No, God, no. no. I'm never happy, but I, I'm just trying to understand the question. If you, if you are a Jake and Amir today, but you're your youthful self, right? If you're, if you're college-age kids now, uh -huh. high school-age kids now, do you think the aspiration is, I want to be a movie star, I want to be on television, or are those foreign concepts? It feels like we've watched, we've been around as the line has blurred so much. Even releasing a movie now, they're going straight to streaming and people are watching them on their phones. So I imagine if you're like in high school, I, I, it doesn't feel like you're aspiring to be a TV writer or a movie writer necessarily. You're probably just thinking that you wanna be a, a creator and have your art delivered in any of the just plethora of mediums that it can be now. So let's let's go back and do a brief history and bio for folks who have not been following every twist and turn of the Jake and Amir show. So you guys, them. did you guys start it off at College Humor, right? Yeah. And and how did you get to College Humor? What was the the process to getting in uh, back in those days? This would have been late, what, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Yeah, even before that, uh, I was writing for them in like college, um, what my college years were, which is like two thousand two through two thousand five. And then got hired full time in two, the summer of 2005, right after I graduated. And then Jake joined in 2006. This is before College Humor even did videos. That's right. Yeah, we used to write like long form essays that would sit on the homepage of College Humor for a couple days at a time or like a week at a time, even. So yeah. I'd be writing like 500 word comedy essays. This is when people had attention spans. Yeah, but and, and, and it originally started as sort of a aggregator, right? Like send us funny stuff from your college. Links, links, yeah. articles, and pictures. And that was my first job at College Humor when I was an intern was crawling the internet, looking for videos to put on College Humor, captioning funny pictures that people submitted on College Humor. Um, and then we shared an office with Vimeo, the video website. Um, so just almost as like a side hobby, Amir and I started making videos because we were joking around with each other all day. And then those started appearing on College Humor. And when did that take off? When did you suddenly realize, oh, this is a thing we're doing that people like, let's do more of it. And maybe that will become a thing. Is it like right away? No, maybe like a year into it. Yeah. yeah. At first we were just putting it on our own private Vimeo channel. And then we started adding them to the College Humor homepage. And that's when it sort of blew up. And so there was a period then where you guys were big on the internet with a certain group of people. Mm -hmm. And then, and you stayed, you stayed at College Humor for a long time. What was the thought process about sort of staying there at College Humor versus going off to LA and, and leaving the internet behind? Because I think you did it longer than I expected you to. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. We did it longer than we expected to also. I mean, really, we just loved working there. It was fun. We worked with all of our best friends. We had a great time in the office. Um, we didn't make a lot of money, but that was fine. Um, and I think after a year of making videos, we kind of realized that College Humor owned the videos. They owned the series. And we 
while we got interest from TV networks and stuff to to make the TV version of Jake and Amir, we never could really do that without IAC's involvement. So, you know, rather than take that big risk, that leap and go out and try to sell um, a new idea, we were just like, let's let's give this show a real home at College Humor. We can actually use College Humor's resources and get editors and nicer cameras. And it slowly became our full-time job rather than a side hobby. But I'm assuming reasonably ambitious people who were doing what you were doing, when you go, all right, we could continue doing this thing that Barry Diller owns, but screw him. I mean, we all, all we all we want is a way to get in front of you know, whoever's hiring at SNL or whoever's doing pilots in Hollywood, we're there, let's go. Mm. Did they have to convince you to stay or you just thought, oh, it's comfortable actually, let's do it. I guess now that I think about it, it was at the same time that College Humor had their MTV show, which um, makes my earlier statement of the fact that I've never had a TV show false, but it wasn't my show. Um, But anyway, there was like that kind of like whole package deal around like IAC owns your videos. You can keep on making the videos. You're going to work here and be on a television show. Um, It just felt like we were getting a lot of practice, a lot of exposure and had all of the resources that we could really want. And we knew friends that worked at SNL, had punishing hours and were riddled with anxiety because they're always worried that they're going to be fired. So College Humor was just like a safe, comfortable home where we were able to do everything we wanted to do. Yeah, we also had health insurance. So it's like, we weren't mm. just going to leave and be like, I hope I sell a pilot this year. Uh, and if not, then I'll die. It was like, <laughs> well, we have a salary at College Humor. We'll try this other stuff in the meantime. But if it doesn't take off, then there's no reason to leave. You don't want to like jump ship while the life raft is not even like inflated yet. Well, that's, yeah, I was that's 21 the, and I had a 401k. So that yeah, was Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing about getting getting that first step or two into the industry. Like, oh, I, this is, this is nice. There's perks I didn't realize I needed or wanted. And now I have them. And also I've heard from people who have the jobs I want and they don't sound maybe as good as they, I thought they'd sounded before I knew anything about it. Right. Um, but you guys eventually did leave. Um, I'm curious what you think about college humor eventually basically winding down. IAC pulled the plug on it. Um, there's been a lot of commentary. A lot of folks blamed YouTube and, and Facebook. <laughs> I thought you said a lot of folks blame YouTube. You, yeah, the, you guys yeah, specifically, yeah, Jacob Amir, take it. Fault. Um, but it seems YouTube like- YouTube the beginning of the end, they called it. And YouTube. It seems like what happened to College Humor happens to lots of digital media sites. Um, it's not humor specific. It seems like there's lots of sites. There's lots of media entities that don't get big enough. Mm-hmm. Well, websites don't exist anymore. So, so spell that, was that the out. Big, that was the big one, yeah. <laughs> so instead <laughs> of websites, we have Facebook pages and YouTube channels. So College Humor was a website, so now it's a Facebook page and a YouTube channel, just like all those other uh, sites we competed with back in the day. Nobody goes right. to like something.com anymore. Do you think there's a way to run a business as a, as a content creation business in a world where it's really dominated by Facebook and, and Google and maybe TikTok, where you can... It seems like as a as an individual creator, you can do okay on and off, but but can you build a business? Yeah, I think you just have to stay lean because College Humor was so bloated at a certain point. They had like a hundred employees, and if any aspect of that business shifts, people stop going to the website. You can't sell that like website skin. You can't sell your banner ads. You're not making enough money to sustain. But with a nice lean team, you can you can do well. You you can succeed. 
And by lean, he means one person with an yeah. iPhone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sometimes two. It's me and Amir. <laughs> yeah, Amir, I've seen you on, on TikTok. Is that is that a, a promising venue for you? Or it's just a thing you got to do because it's TikTok and it's 2021. Uh, kind of both. It started as like a thing where I'm like, I guess I'll do this since people are there. But then like it became such a powerful engine that like I could post something on there that would sometimes get 10 million views. And I'm like, oh, that's something that like I don't even think a Jake and Amir video has 10 million views on YouTube. And like this no. is just a stupid thing that I posted by myself in 30 seconds. So it's like, okay, TikTok is probably the most powerful tastemaker in the universe right now where like they can make a song, the number one song on the radio. They can make a comedian, the most popular person on earth. And it's not mm -hmm. even comedians. It's like this it's, hot it's 19 year dancers. <laughs> All you have yeah. to do is have floppy hair and know a dance and you are and famous abs. now. Yeah. Oh, that helps. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Abs are big. Back in my day, we had to work at Abercrombie if you were hot. Now you just stay at home. <laughs> they move you to a mansion in Bel Air <laughs> yeah. and you can just dance with your friends. Have you guys seen the clip of the the four ab dudes uh, performing in the camera? They're, they're, it's, a, it's a video of them making a TikTok, but it's, it's shot sort of above them. And I think it's originally meant to be like, this is cool, but everyone sees it and says, this is actually like, it shows how embarrassing this looks. <laughs> yeah. Because they don't want to pull the veil back. Right, everything is sad when you see how they make it. So, what what happens when you get ten million views on on a TikTok for you? Like, you, you got rich from that, right, Amir? <laughs> they actually do pay you. That's the crazy part. Like, not even in a joking fashion. They like because I'm like verified on TikTok. There's like this thing called the Creator Fund where they little literally give you cash for views. <laughs> so, like the the video came out. Um, I got more followers because like people were sharing it and watching it more, and then like. In my account, it would be like thirty to fifty dollars a day would just start coming in. I'm like, this is insane. Like, not that I am able to do that every day, but like, if someone was able to crack this code and do that every day, then people like have a full time job just from TikTok. Yeah, it's a weird platform, right? There, I mean, maybe this is all social media now, but there's a, everyone that I see is constantly talking about, on TikTok is talking about TikTok. They're talking about their views. They're complaining that the last video they made didn't get any views, but the one mm. before that had 10 million. They're responding yeah. to someone else's trend. It's 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 stuff that I think was always happening on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, but people weren't as explicit about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it kind it's of assumes that like everyone's- it all. In, Yeah, but it, says, it assumes that everyone who's watching it cares about the algorithm and knows about it's it. Very, it's, like if, it's very inside baseball. But yeah, it assumes that an audience of millions of people cares about inside baseball, which is pretty fascinating. And I think mm -hmm. maybe they do. Yeah. And, and maybe they do. But if you don't, it's, so, it's just so easy to scroll to the next thing. That's, that is the other angle of it. So you guys are still a doer. You're still working together. You're still making content together. You started a podcast company a few years ago. How did that come about? Um, that started because we were this was probably a, about a year before we left College Humor. We felt like it took us a while, but we realized we weren't going to be there forever. And we thought, what's something that we can do that just you and I own? Um, and we started this podcast kind of as just like a, a way to bridge the gap between whatever College Humor was and the next thing. Um, and then we just realized how good podcasting was. And um, after we did it for a year or two, we said we can help our comedy friends make their own shows and start a network. So it all, it kind of just like happened organically um, as like, as an exit ramp to 
um, from College Humor. So the the podcasting company is called Headgum. I was saying I had John Gabris on, who's a Headgum podcaster. Um, mm-hmm. Did you guys have to raise money for that, or something you can just literally just one day announce that you are a podcast company? <laughs> Um, we, we kind of just one day announced that we were a podcast company. We talked to some friends. We said we wanted to launch with, um, 10 podcasts. Um, so we gathered everybody that we knew, including my mom and gave everyone a podcast. Uh, and we just had one day where we launched 10 shows, but eventually we Wait, what's did raise Jake's, money. What's Jake's mom's podcast called? It's called the Easy Chair. It's it's now defunct. She uh, she ended it after a five year run though, a beautiful run. She uh, went five years longer than Donald Trump's blog. Good for her. Yeah, <laughs> and it it was just as right wing actually. So uh, you can go back and check it out though. Be right back with Jake and Amir after a word from this sponsor. And we're back with Jake and Amir. So you started this company five years. So five years ago, podcasting was super niche. It was hard to get investors interested in in it. And then in the last couple of years, a ton of money has flown into there, mostly Spotify and Apple, but iHeart, Sirius. So what does that what does that change for you guys? On the one hand, there's more money, that's good. On the other hand, there's a lot more competition, I would assume, to get a podcaster to work with you. Mm-hmm. And we raised uh, money last year. So that was helpful just to, you know, help us stay relevant and compete with all of the other people that are growing so rapidly. Um, but yeah, it used to be casual to launch a podcast. We launched 10 just by texting our friends and you know inviting people over. And now it's three months of contract negotiations and it's just a lot more like corporate and buttoned up. It's not quite the wild west anymore. If I'm a promising podcaster, what is my incentive to work with you guys instead of anybody else? Give him the pitch, Amir. Uh, HeadGum allows you to be a part of a team. So we're not only going to help promote your podcast through cross-promotion, but we can also put you on our, you know, front page of, you know, HeadGum.com and our network page on Spotify and Apple. And then additionally, we can help monetize and grow your show uh, with the connections that we've made in the business through the six years that we've been operating. That's a good pitch. I think you've made it really. Before. Yeah, you, you I, don't, don't seem, to, time. You don't seem totally enthused. You were eye rolling. Yeah, I while left Headgum two weeks ago, so um, <laughs> they fired me because I wasn't able to sort of get the messaging across yeah. quickly and efficiently. So it's good that you we couldn't have a nail the pitch. Push. That was the first time he was able to do it. So yeah. to be to be a bit of an asshole, I assume everyone else makes that exact same pitch, right? We're going to collaborate right. with you. We're going to promote you. Yeah. So but ultimately, correct. it's like. It's, it's who you want to, like, we want to build a, a, a network where people want to join us. So if you uh, come to HeadGum and you have no idea who we are and who are, like, what roster of shows we have, you probably don't want to be a part of the network. Um, but if, like, it's like any TV show or channel. At first, um, like, FX 20 years ago didn't have much, but now... They were able to have some awesome shows like Atlanta and Always Sunny. So like now, if you're a TV show creator, you want to be on a channel like that. So our goal is to create a channel that is very highly regarded in specific spaces. And so when you are dreaming of like the best destination for your podcast, you're like, oh, I want to be on HeadGum. I don't necessarily want to be on those other guys because those other guys aren't as cool or funny or hip or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we also, we we took the CTO from Vimeo um, and built our ad marketplace tool um, that a lot of our podcasters use and like because it's 
it's super transparent. You can see all of like your booked ads, your revenue and all that stuff, all like on HeadGum's backend. And a lot of networks um, hide that information from their hosts for some reason. Is this full-time for you guys? Is this what you do full-time? Is, is running HeadGum full-time or is it one of the 10 things you're doing on any given day? It's probably the thing we do most time. So this is the priority and everything. We still do all that other stuff, but nights and weekends or as sparingly as possible. HeadGum is the day-to-day. What is that transition like mentally for you to go from being entertainers and people who are trying to make a TV show and trying to be on TV or in the movies to running a company? Terrible. It's awful. Yeah. It sucks, right? (laughs) Well, that's why we chose the path that we did when we were in our 20s. We weren't like, one day I want to manage an entire roster of producers and content developers (laughs) and deal with lawyers and uh, contract negotiations. So it's, I mean, on one hand, it's interesting to see how like the other side deals with, because like as creators, we've been pitching people and dealing with lawyers on the other side of things. Right. And, and we've been bothering our agents and been like, what's the deal with this thing? It's like, oh, it's in lawyer yeah. land right now. Right. And now we're in lawyer land. I talked to the lawyers. We're, we're <laughs> in purgatory, AKA lawyer land. Um, yeah. So it's, it's interesting to see the other side, but like at the same time, if we're not creating stuff and being funny and exercising that muscle, we will just mm-hmm. slowly become sadder and sadder until we die. It's funny because that makes sense. But it's also, by the way, what you're doing is running a successful small business is something that, you know, a lot of people listen to this podcast is their aspiration, right? That's what they would yep. like to be able to do. It's what they want yeah, to do. Yeah. It is It is good. Like there, I think that there are challenges with running a company, but like we work with a lot of people. We don't, I don't do all of the business stuff or all of the ad sales stuff. And thank God. Uh, but it's it's like rewarding and fun for that reason. Have you ever thought, oh man, remember when I used to give so-and-so shit, the, the business guy or the manager guy, I had no idea what I was talking about. It turns out he was right. Yeah, yeah. Like just talking shit about somebody and being like, what do they do all day? And now you're like, I get it. I see. <laughs> Not fun. I feel like the same transition when you realize that Ferris Bueller is actually a jerk like an entitled jerk and, and, and really mean, and really mean to you know people like his parents and his principal are just trying to help yeah. him get along. You're like oh. awful to his sister too. Yeah, awful to most people. But poor Cameron. They destroyed a car. Yeah. I, I identify with Cameron's dad now. That's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We're you officially have a Ferrari. We are officially yeah. old. Um, I have another business question for you. The 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 new podcast trendlet is to get someone to pay for your podcast instead of making it ad supported. You guys have an ad supported business. Do you imagine you'll try to? sell a subscription business as well or make a put something behind a paywall i think we're all we're all in on host red ads it's that's just like the model that we grew up on maybe not host reds from like college humor but just i I like advertising support uh podcasts yeah okay i think podcasts should be free just just on principle yeah i mean it's our the industry is not big enough to start putting shit behind a paywall it seems like I understand for YouTube, eventually that was like the final frontier is like people were getting tens of millions of views. So it's like, oh, even if only 2% of the people come with us, but podcasting is not big enough, I don't think to like cut off 98% of your audience and monetize the last 2%. I mean, there is the premise, right? That like, at least for your super fans that you can give them something they really want and you're not, and you don't have the vagaries of advertising. And if your advertiser has a problem with your content or just doesn't want to advertise anymore because they've gone out of business, you've you solve that and you're and you're connecting directly with people who like what you like. You're yeah. Good. I'm I mean we do Patreon and um there is a 
a role for that as well. But I don't think like we'll ever put our entire podcast behind a paywall. Bonus content and like premium stuff and additives and, you know, like tip jar style extras uh, make sense to me, but not like not a straight up paywall now. That makes sense. Um, we're near, I think we can say we're at the end of the, the pandemic. Can we say that out loud? I, I, I went to a rave last night. Game. So yeah, Jake went to a rave. I went to a basketball <laughs> game. So that felt like the end for me. I'm going to a dinner tonight. Like a grown there up you dinner. Go. Yeah. There we I'm go. A grown up dinner. We don't even ask if everyone's vaxxed because we all assume that we're vaxxed. We don't talk about that anymore. Um, yeah. Instead, we talk about when we're going back to the office. That's the new, that's the new. There we go. Small Today's talk. my first day back. I'm here. I know. I'm very jealous looking at your studio there. So, um, does the, did that change anything about the business trajectory for you guys? Or I assume, like everybody else, you thought everything was going to shut down last year and then it didn't. Did, did it change your perspective on, on how to run the business this year or next year? Um, I don't know if it changed my perspective very much. It gave me a lot of confidence in the team that we have. Um, we're, we were lucky that we didn't fire anybody. We like hired a bunch of new people. In the beginning of the pandemic, it seemed like it was all over. Uh, our ads were getting canceled left and right. Nobody knew what the hell to do. Our podcasters couldn't record. But after only a couple of weeks, we like picked it back up and and things worked out. So it hasn't changed anything except for maybe make me feel more hopeful. Amir? Say something positive and, and uplifting so we could end the podcast. Honestly, the pandemic didn't affect me whatsoever. I've been just like this homebody. Months went by. I didn't realize this thing was still going on. Like I so rarely do anything, leave the house, see friends. So like for me, it just felt like 2019 was pretty much the same as 2020, was pretty much the same as 2021. I guess without the FOMO, because like usually people would hang out and not invite me. So like this time I wasn't even mm. like being invited, considered. So like you could almost make a case that it was the best year of my life personally, professionally, emotionally, spiritually. I'm an ox, strong, fierce, mad at the world and dangerous to know. I am looking forward to exercising again in groups playing sports, going bowling, seeing movies. And it seems like we are at the light at the end of the tunnel. And I, for <laughs> one, think that we are going to be able to deal with the next pandemic with fresh eyes and a great perspective. And I think everyone really learned He might never stop unless you cut him off. He might keep on going. And vax. And uh, I think we all learned a valuable lesson last year. And I'm excited what was that? to- What was the lesson? That you don't need to wear a freaking mask or get a vaccine. Right. Like if enough Bad people <laughs> understand the Terrible. science, it'll figure <laughs> itself out. <laughs> Perfect. So you can get all this directly from uh, from Jake and Amir on their podcasts. Yeah, we have videos. an advice show. So we sort of wax. <laughs> Quiet down. <laughs> Let them host the show. <laughs> all right, dudes. Uh, thank you. I will see you in 10 years uh, in some professional capacity. <laughs> yeah, let's keep the streak alive. Thank you. Be well. <laughs> Thanks again to Jake and Amir for playing along, for making me laugh more than once during that podcast. Thanks to Jelani and Joel for editing and producing it. Thanks to our sponsors for bringing it to you for free. Thanks to you guys for writing, texting, DMing, uh, you email, all sorts of ways of communicating with me. And I appreciate all of them. If you want to, you can tell someone else about the podcast too. That'd be cool. This is Recode Media. We'll see you next week. Now that Amir has given us excellent health advice, um, Jelani, our producer, has reminded us that uh, he does have a, a dating app. So we should hear about that. Give me the two-minute dating app pitch. 
Right. So Jake and I actually shot a, another web series for Vimeo and College Humor called Lonely and Horny, wherein my characters tr- vying to get onto this exclusive dating app. So we figured, why not actually make a dating app? Uh, it took four or five years, but we finally got there. It's called <laughs> Orion. And, uh, it took so long because we nailed it because we did it right. <laughs> yeah. The pitch is that... Um, it's more like personality focused. So Jake and I were able to use our senses of humor to like create funny photo prompts. So you're not just choosing the five most attractive photos of yourself. It's like, what's your third favorite book? When was the last time you looked terrible in a photo? Choose a photo of you and your ex. So it gives you fun prompts to fill out your profile. And then when you match with somebody, there's more additional funny prompts to get the conversation going. Icebreakers in a way. It's a fiercely competitive world for dating apps. Um, Mm -hmm. So give us your best success story. Who's, Who's gotten married or at least had sex? Um, because they used I actually, I got married. Uh, it had nothing to do with Orion. It happened two years before, <laughs> but it's still, that's a pretty good track record. The founder is married. I mean, that means you know what works and what doesn't with regards. And you are getting divorced, so like, we don't want to lean into that right. too much. Just so I'm going to meet my next ex yeah, on yeah. Orion. <laughs> meet your next ex. That's the pitch. On Orion. Okay, I asked for the short pitch. We got it. Thanks, guys. <laughs>